0: Father, this morning, that's our prayer, that is the cry of our hearts, Lord, that you would baptize us each and every one in the Holy Ghost, Lord, that is what you have told us in your word, you promised us, Lord, that you will baptize us with the Holy Ghost and with fire, and oh God, we need the fire, Lord, we need the fire. Oh, Father, this morning, Lord, we need an encounter with you, Lord. Yes, Lord. We need an encounter with the living God. Lord, this morning we pray, help us, speak to us, stir our hearts, draw us. Lord, would you draw us this morning? Lord, the great drawn power of your love, your mercy, your grace. And Lord, do a work in our lives. May the world around us feel the impact of a church full of the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, we need you this morning. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. I want to speak this morning. When the promise draws near, when the promise draws near, we're believing. God's give us a promise. Amen. God's give us a promise. We're believing. For God to move by a Spirit, we believe it's a promise in the Word of God, not just something that we have imagined ourselves. An outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the last days, a great awakening amongst God's people, a revival that begins in the church of Jesus Christ, the remnant stirring that church, and the church arising in the power of the Holy Spirit with nothing else but the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Ghost, nothing else. That's enough. Amen. That's enough this morning. Just Christ and a church full of the Holy Ghost. We believe in that. That's a promise. That's why this church was birthed 14 years ago in June. It was birthed for revival. It was birthed to see a move of God. It was birthed. It was to be a house of prayer for all nations. That's what it is. That's what it will be. That's what it must be. Because without prayer, we might have a lot of activity, but we have no power. And we have a lot of activity in a general sense. But we need the power of God. We need an encounter with the Lord. In Exodus chapter 3 verse 1. When the promise draws near. Then we're going into Acts chapter 7. After that you can just hold it open in Acts chapter 7. We'll read Exodus 3 verses 1 to 5. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro. His father-in-law the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert. And came to the mountain of God even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him, out of the midst of the bush, and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, but off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. And we know the Lord had blessed the reading of his word. You can turn over into Acts chapter 7. Just leave it open there. We'll come to it just in a few moments' time. The birth of Moses... Most of us know the life story of Moses from uh, a wee age right through. But the birth of Moses begins in a time of much affliction. God's people were living under relentless oppression from their enemies, the Egyptians. And every time you read of God's great birthing purposes and revivals and God moving right throughout church history and biblical history, you'll find that that is always in a time of spiritual decline and spiritual darkness, severe oppression and much opposition. Then God bursts forth. That's the history of God's people. It's the same throughout all of history. It's when it seems the darkest. It's when it seems the most hopeless. It seems when there's like a chaos all around us. Then suddenly God Burst forth! We see that in the whole purposes of God, particularly in his beautiful and wonderful redemption plan. The Bible tells us <clears throat> in Galatians 4 and 4, But when the fullness of time was come, that this simply uh, makes us understand that God's providential hand and sovereign plan was unfolding. God had a time. God works according to his time, not ours. And and his ways are not our ways. And the sovereign hand of God was about to act, revealing the eternal purpose of God in the birth of his precious son, Jesus Christ. At that time, when we look at it, and it's very similar to Moses' time, there was a religious system, but it had no power. We had a political oppressive system, the Roman Empire, and we had gross spiritual darkness, Across the land, but there was a remnant, and there's always a remnant. There's always a 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to beow. Thank God there's a remnant today across the island of Ireland, across the United Kingdom, across Europe, and across the world. God always has his people. And there's a remnant at that time. They were serving in the temple. They were waiting. They held on the promises that God had given them. One old man said, I'll not die till I see the Lord's salvation. Praise the Lord. The Lord was good to his promise and good to his word. But at that time, as the promise drew near, it it got very dark. There was much oppression. There was much opposition. We see that when Jesus was born, that Herod sent the soldiers into Bethlehem and every child, every boy from two years and under were slaughtered. That's the hour that they were living in the oppression and the opposition of spiritual forces and darkness against the purposes of God. When Jesus came in Matthew 4 to begin his ministry, fulfilling the prophet Isaiah. In Matthew 4 and 14 it says, The land of Zebulun and the land of Telim by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. And then it says, the people that sat in darkness. not speaking of a spiritual darkness. That's a spiritual force. That's the power of Satan. But they saw, the Bible says, a great light. Praise the Lord. There's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of Satan. And there's the kingdom of his, God's dear son, Jesus Christ. That's light and that's darkness. And those people seen a great light. Light. Light dispels the darkness, those spiritual forces, spiritual wickedness, the powers of darkness. We thank God this morning for the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the almighty God of heaven. It is the kingdom of light. And thank God that Satan is defeated, that Christ overcame the powers of darkness on the cross. But we know we're in a battle when you look through it, we see the birth of Samuel. It was at a time of spiritual decline and darkness, but God's purpose was about to be born. We see the birth of David. At that time, Israel are living in fear against the Philistines and the giant, but God birthed David for his eternal purposes. We see an Esther, we see the purposes of God. We see the plans of the enemy and the spiritual darkness to exterminate all the Jews, but God had a people and a purpose and a plan. And she was brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Do you know that you're brought to the kingdom for such a time as this? God's purposes are being revealed at this particular time. We see in the Bible here, in Acts chapter 7, if you're open, just open it up to verse 17, referring here again uh, to Moses, the promise was drawn near. And verse seventeen of Acts seven, it says, "But when the time of the promise drew nigh, when it came to the purposes of God to be revealed, God had sworn those plans and purposes onto Abraham. We see that promise. You just stay in Acts seven for a moment. But that promise, God had spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter fifteen and verse thirteen, and this is what He said. Abram, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. And they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And then it says in verse 14, here's the promise. And also that nation whom they shall serve, I will judge them. And afterward shall they come out with great substance. Four hundred years later. Let me tell you, his word never fails. God's promises are true. 400 years later, the Word of God still stands throughout every culture and every generation. Not one word that God has spoken will ever fail. Yes. And here we see in this, in this account that Stephen is preaching in Acts chapter 7, the time of the promise was ever getting closer to the purposes of God. At that time, we see God had promised they're going to leave. God's going to judge that nation that's oppressed them. God's going to judge this world. God is going to come as the Almighty Judge. Of this world. But there's a people in this world. That are going to leave this planet. And that's those that are washed in the blood. They're born of the spirit. But listen friends. As God's people left Egypt. They left with a great substance. And my prayer and my cry. We are leaving this planet with a great substance. We are leaving with the souls of men and women. And boys and girls. I'm not leaving this planet, brothers and sisters. Unless my four sons and my wife's coming with me. We are leaving this planet with a great substance. And that's a harvest of precious souls. Hallelujah. We are believing God. He's going to judge this world. Not one word is going to feel. But let me tell you, friends, that big son of mine, he's coming with me. He's coming with me, brothers and sisters. Whatever way he thinks this morning, whatever how deep that pit's in, he's in this morning. But we're leaving this planet with Jack. And So we need the the Spirit of God to move. The promise is drawn near. And the opposition and the pressure and the relentless attacks of the enemy against the church of Jesus Christ, God's people, the remnant people, there is a relentless pressure against us, against you, against me. God is going to move, and we're drawn very near to that promise. But what happens at that time is there is great change. Many people know we're living in a day of great change. Isn't that right? It's changing rapidly. We have seen a change in our morals. We have seen a change in our social uh, society around us. We have seen changes in our political structures. We are seeing changes in the spiritual realm. There's change. There's great changes taking place. That's because the promise is drawn near. We're heading towards something. God's in control. He's on the throne. And the enemy knows his time is short. So now we're living in a day of uncharted waters. We've never been here before. We've never seen such spiritual activity before. We've never witnessed the nations being shaken as they are. We've never seen the calamities, the Arab Springs, the nations of the world being shaken, Jerusalem being a cup of trembling to the whole world. We've never seen the economical turned turned down and and all the crushing and all the pressures. We've never heard of so much suicide and mental pressures coming upon so many. We've never seen so much brokenness in the very cornerstone of society as families after families are being destroyed by the powers of darkness. We've never seen a change in our our moral compass like we have in the day in which we're living in. We've never seen the sweeping powers and all the demonic activity of hell sweep into our nation like we have in our generation. There's change. What's happening? Friends, the promise is coming very near. Something's happening. The Bible tells us in Acts seven seventeen that God had promised and the people grew and they multiplied in Egypt. And then verse 18 says, till another king arose, there's change. Something happened here. There was a change because the promise was drawn near. He did not know Joseph. We remember Joseph of old. He was second only to Pharaoh. And he was the one that brought the the great uh, provision at the time of the famine. But now there's a change. There was once a nation that revered God, that honored God, that, that had a respect for the things of God. But there's a change. Isn't there a change, brothers and sisters? And here we see a change in the political dynasty. We read in Exodus one, just stay in Acts seven. I'll just go through it quickly. But at that time it says that they set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. That's verse eleven. Exodus one fourteen, they made their lives bitter with hard bondage. We see with the midwives, we went to the office of the midwife to the Hebrew women that they said to them, If a son's born, you'll kill him. If it's a daughter, you'll let them live. And as we approach the promise, it seems that the affliction and the opposition and the trials that many are going through, they're not lessening, but they're getting worse. Anybody say amen? Are you with me here this morning? And so the trials are are deeper. The darkness is, is darker. The difficulties are harder. The pressure is greater. And sometimes, we're sharing the, you don't know where the pressure's coming from. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You get up and you feel a pressure. Know what that is? It's a spiritual power. A spiritual wickedness. It's the powers of hell because the devil knows time's near up. And so all the onslaught of the enemy can I tell you something, Saint, that's in the midst of the trial, in the midst of great opposition, in the midst of a place where many of us, when you're in the trial, you never think you're going to make it. Isn't that right? But the Bible tells us something's happening. There's the trial of your faith, and is more precious than of gold that perisheth. Though it be tried with fire, it will be found unto the praise and the honor and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. It's an awesome thing what's happening in your life because you're going through it. You don't feel you're going to make it. You don't feel you're strong. You don't feel that you're on top of the world. You feel that you're at the bottom, and you feel all the hell is pressing against you, and you don't know how you're going to make it. Can I tell you what's happening? You're growing. Absolutely, praise the Lord. You're growing. Something's happening. Look at Joseph. Aaron was iron was coming in. Do you so... You don't see you growing. You don't see you standing. You don't see you making it. Let me tell you something. You're going to make it. Why? Because you're kept by the power of God. And what's in you now wasn't in you when you come into the trial. And when you get through the trial, it'll be to the appearing and the glory of Jesus. But you never see yourself growing. sure so you don't. In the midst of it, it's dark. And it tells us in Exodus chapter 1, they afflicted them. They came against them. And it says, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and they grew. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ will build this church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Listen, we're growing. Would you say amen? I know it's hard to believe it when you're in the midst and the depths and you're down in the pit, but you're growing. God's doing something. You're growing. You're becoming strong. The promise hadn't come or been fulfilled but the change all around was taking place and it was incredible. We're living in a day that's we're seeing unbelievable changes. And do you know what happens? We nearly become accustomed to it that we don't we're not shocked anymore. We're not shocked anymore. We're not, you know, we're so accustomed now to the bombardment of hell and the drive of the media and the liberals and everything is thrown against the church and society today. We're not really shocked anymore. Something has happened. There's a change in our world. There's a change in politics. There's a change in our social structure. There's a change in our education system. There's a change in our religious system. We've got a text this morning, Brother David, that the Archbishop of Canterbury is joining up with the Roman Catholics to pray to Mary today for the Holy Spirit to be to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Lord, help us. There's a change in everyday life. There's a change in our morals. The moral compass of society. There's been a dramatic change. There's a subtle move because the devil's subtle. There's a subtle move by spiritual wickedness against the people of God. If you hear these type of words... Hate speech. Anyone ever heard that on our news? Have you heard equality being mentioned any time? Have you heard human rights? Have you heard progressive policies? You heard those terms? Let me tell you what they are. They're subtle spiritual powers of darkness. They have an agenda. And you know what they're against? They're against God's people. The system is changing. It tells us in verse 19 of Acts 7, the same dealt subtly. You see, the devil's more subtle than any beast of the field. Can I tell you something? He still is. He is defeated, but he's more subtle than any beast of the field. And so they dealt subtly with our kindred. Evil entreated our fathers. So know what they did? They cast out their young children To the end that they may not live. The time of the promise, we were drawn near to something that was profound. There was a mighty deliverance coming. There was a mighty break because God had promised that. It tells us in verse 20, and this time, what a season! And this time, Moses was born. And this time, in the midst of all of that, Moses was born. Tells us he was exceeding fair. Nourished up in his father's house for three months. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, the devil wasn't going to play dead. In Exodus chapter 1 and verse 20, too, it tells us there that every son that is born you'll cast into the river. Every daughter ye shall see shall live. Think of the horror at that time. Just think about it for a moment. Think about those Hebrew women. Think about those Hebrew midwives that wouldn't obey the command. Think about his as Pharaoh sent in those soldiers all across Egypt. Think about those women sitting with those wee, those wee boys on their knees, hugging them and holding on to them, know that bond of a mother and a son, and holding on to their wee son, and the doors kicked in and those men come running into that home and grab that wee boy and rip them from their mother's arms. Can you hear the cries? Can you hear the inconsolable cries of a mother? Mothers, think of it this morning. Think of it what it was like. As house after house the doors are kicked in, the soldiers are grabbing those wee boys off their mother's lap, searching under beds as they tried to hide them and ripping them from their mother's arms, and the crying of a Friends, this morning I wonder, is there a cry? Is there a cry? You no, know, the devil really hasn't changed, you know. Powers of darkness are still the same. Their wickedness. But today we've become smart. Every week in mainland Britain, 4,000 babies will be aborted or murdered in the mother's womb. Four, listen, 4,000. Statistics tell us that every week, 15,000 babies are born in Britain. Just over 4,000 are aborted. That means nearly 25% of babies that are in the womb this week due to be born will be slaughtered by the end of next week. And there's no headline news. There's no outcry. There's no special talks. There's no G8, G7, G20, some special European commission There's no meeting of the COBRA committee, the emergency committee in the United Kingdom, as week in and week out, the slaughter of the innocent. The days have changed. Have become so accustomed or so numbed to the spiritual forces and darkness that's working that really there is no cry anymore, not even from God's people. The Bible tells us in Exodus 2 and 23, it came in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. The children of Israel sighed by reason of their bondage, and they cried. And thank God, can I hear? Listen, brothers and sisters, I want you to hear this. And their cry came up unto God. God heard them. I don't know why God's hearing me. God's hearing you. But the answer hasn't come, but he still hears you. The answer's on its way. But I've cried and I've cried and I've wept and I've wept and it doesn't seem if anything's changing. Actually, it's getting worse. Have you prayed and the circumstances have got worse? Put your hand up. That ever happened to you? Praise the Lord, every believer in this place. And then you wonder, is there something wrong with my prayers? There's nothing wrong with your prayers. God's on the throne. Here's your cry. And they cried and the cry came up by reason of their bondage. God heard their groaning. Then it says God remembered his covenant. Then it says God looked upon his children. Then it says God had respect unto them. Four things. God heard. God remembered. God looked. God had respect. Can I tell you something? God's heard your cry. God's heard your groans. No prayers. Sometimes they're not words. They're just groans. Anybody know what I mean? They're not prayers. They're not audible words. They're groans. There's something in your spirit. You go, God. You can't even get the words out. You don't know what to say or what to pray. But there's a groan. Can I tell you something? God hears our groans. We see the slaughter of the innocent. Do you know those precious lives? And that womb. The Bible tells us John the Baptist. Do you know when he was filled with the Holy Ghost? And his mother's womb. he was filled with the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb. it's great see all the kids see the exodus at offering time and they're all running and the people trying to take the offering get run down it's good to have kids in the house of God it's good to hear the cry of a wee baby isn't it sometimes it's hard to be a mummy I don't know because I've never been one I want to tell you something's a precious thing, life. But in all of that, the Bible tells us the time of the promise was coming very near. God had preserved in the midst of all of this a man, I believe that man is a representation, if you like, of a remnant people today. He comes through all the toils and snares. He'd been supernaturally preserved born in that season and preserved by the mighty hand of God. His mother, remember, she hid him in the bulrushes. Remember, he was brought into the house of Pharaoh by Pharaoh's daughter. Remember that he was brought up in the house of Egypt. He was protected, divinely protected for the purposes of God. But in all of this, as he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, mighty in words and deeds, and after we know the story, I'm just going over it quickly. This attempted deliverance of God's people through the arm of His own flesh—he flees. This failure flees into the wilderness. Do you know the Bible says that God chooses the base things, the despised things, the things which are not, to confound the confounded things which are. Why? Because no flesh is going to glory in His presence. God's doing a work. Saint of God, God's doing a work in your life. If you love the Lord and you want to serve Him and you're out for Him, let me tell you something. You're going to find out two things. Number one, you're going to get a revelation of yourself. Could I tell you it's not very good because our flesh is rotten. But the second thing is coming. That's a revelation of Him. And He's everything. The time of the promise drew nigh, but the roles of Moses here could not be so different. Or pulls apart. Once a mighty man with great authority, to a shepherd at the back of a wilderness. The Bible tells us in our reading today. This is just what it says about him. He kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. I want to go to Bible school. This is what it is. Do you hear me this morning? I, I want to. This is what it is. He kept. The flock of death. This is God's Bible school. This is God's Bible school. We see the primary function that Moses engaged in for 40 years. And this is it, friends, this morning. No flashing lights. No big speaks. Do you know what he was learning? He was learning this. Moses was learning to be a servant. And we want to really be used of God Here's the first thing. We must be, we must be, we must become a servant. This is the whole essence of Christ. What does it say? He took upon him the form of a servant. Mark 10 and 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for, for many. It is crucial for God to use us in this hour that we become Servants. This is the, this is what's crucial to be used of God, to know what it is to become a servant. Let me ask you a question this morning, and, and this is just for you to think about, because I think about these things. I just think what was going through Moses' head for 40 years. I wonder, because it doesn't tell us, but let me ask you a question. Do you think that Moses ever got discouraged? Many people think that. You could put your hand up. Do you think ever at times that when Moses was out there, this flock of sheep, they're not his. He's looking after them. It's in the wilderness. He's failed God. And there he is. He's just going about. The, do you ever think sometimes he just thought to himself, what am I doing here? Maybe not. Maybe he wasn't an Ulsterman. man. I know he wasn't an Ulster man. But have you ever thought that he was sort of looked at himself and went, What's going on? Maybe you've never done that. Have you ever thought that maybe he sat down in a rock one day and he looked over at all the sheep and went, oh. (laughs) Do you ever think he thought that way? Because we would never think that way. Sure we wouldn't. Do you ever think that maybe someday when it was so hot and so tired and he can't maybe find a well to get them to you and he's sitting down and he's saying, I've had enough of this. Do what? I'm going to jack us in i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to Egypt. Maybe patch something up with Pharaoh. He maybe let me back in. don't know why he maybe saw that or not. But I would say that Moses is just like, he's just like you and me. Now, I may defend some because you may not think you're like that. But you know, the Bible tells us Elijah was a man of like passions. I like that because know what it says? Men were real. They had their failures, they had their off days, they had their days when they said, that's it! I've had enough! You'd never do that to you, would not But yet this man, in that wilderness, there's a work being done. You know God's doing a work. You know God hears all our frustrations, sees his inner ups, and he sees us in inner... D- we only see each other in our ups, don't we? Everybody's looking great this morning, and everyone's happy. But you didn't see me yesterday morning, so you? Then I didn't see you yesterday morning either. And so we see the workings of God and the dealings of God because He's preparing Moses for the task. He was making him a servant. You know, I, I want. You know, when I hear I really want to do ministry, I want to tell you what it is: be a servant. It tells us of a a woman in the Bible in Romans chapter 16. I call her wee Phoebe, but she could have been a big, but I just for some reason call her wee Phoebe. It says Phoebe, our sister, she was a servant of the church. I ask you something, are you a servant of the church? Think about it. Are you a servant? You know the world really is so focused on, isn't it just what I can get, what's for me, self-serving. But the body of Christ is so, do you serve the church? Do you, what is that there? That doesn't mean the building. Do we serve each other? Do you serve one another? When you see someone in need, are you concerned? When you see someone struggling, do you phone them? When you see someone that needs maybe a meal or an encouragement, are you willing to go? When you see something needs done in the house of God, are you willing to go and do it? Are you a servant? Are you a servant of the church? Are you a servant of the body of Christ? Because see if you are, you're just like Jesus. That's what a true servant is. And all this time, for 40 years, Moses is tending a flock in the wilderness. God is putting in him everything of what God wants him to be and removing everything from him that God does not want him to be. He's a servant. Tells us in verse two of our reading. And this is where we're coming to, just for a few moments. Maybe not go through it all this morning, but I don't find anywhere in this reading, anywhere that Moses was praying for an encounter with God. I don't find anywhere in this in this in this reading here that Moses got up that morning and said, Lord, I really need to meet with you. It didn't happen. He may have done that, but it doesn't record that. I don't see that in anything of this, that Moses was, was, if you like, what we believe in and what we believe we should do, praying through, touching God, longing for a breakthrough. And I believe in all those things. It just tells us that he was tending to the flock. He just went out. It was another day. Do you know, I believe in this wonderful word in the scripture, suddenly. I believe that there are great records of revivals like Evan Roberts in revival and they prayed through and they touched heaven and heaven came down and the hand of the Lord was upon them. And I believe that we need to pray. I believe that the house of the Lord is a house of prayer above everything else. But I also know that sometimes God just comes Suddenly. You're not necessarily expecting it. It's not even that you've had enormous faith to believe for it. It's just that you're serving, you're doing, you're going about the business of keeping the flock, you're in the wilderness. It doesn't actually really look as though it's going to happen. It looks as though really this is it. He's 80 years old. Who can beat that? Frank, 82, praise the Lord. He's 80 years old. It looks as so though well. I've done this for 40 years. I've just kept serving. I'm doing my time. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And then God. Do you know, I believe, friends, that the promise is very near. I believe that the breakthrough is going to come. And I believe He's going to do it not because of my great faith, not because of who I am, not because we have got the some spiritual plateau, not because we are great, because we're not, I'm sorry to disappoint you. We are just a bunch of people that God has wonderfully saved by the grace of God, washed us in His blood, joined us together in the body of Christ, put in our hearts for a move of the Spirit of God because that's His eternal purpose and we're ever getting closer to the promise being fulfilled and what's about to happen is God is about to appear as a flame of fire in the body of Christ. Think about it. Could it be this morning? Could it happen here today that suddenly the Lord appears in a flame of a fire out of the midst of a bush like He did with with Moses? That suddenly the fire and the power of Almighty God descends in an upper room like this one And fills every person in this room with the power of the Holy Ghost. And the fire of God falls upon us. And burns up all the death and all the sin and all the dross and all the unbelief. And God raises us up out of ourselves and empowers us with the Holy Ghost. Suddenly. Suddenly. Oh, God's going to do it when I get my prayer right to the top. And then it's like hitting the bell. The bell will go off. And then that's when God comes. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, God's got a plan and a purpose. And God is working to that plan and that purpose and His Word. And in the last days, He'll pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. And the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. And God will suddenly come to His temple. Just suddenly. I wasn't expecting that this morning. Praise the Lord. That's when it's God. If we get it all down in a format and a formula and an ABC and all on a page, this is how God works. Can I tell you something? God doesn't work like that. God doesn't work to our agenda or our ideas, but God does have a plan for his people and suddenly breaks through. There's nothing more attractive than fire. I don't know about you, I, I've always loved fire. My mother would tell you, we used to set bushes on fire and got the fire brigade out all around Beaver. It was great. And then we come in where our faces face black and my mum says, Timothy, were you over at that fire? No, I wasn't there. <laughs> There's something about fire. There's something about, you know, I used to love bonfires. I used to sleep in them. Build huts in them. Down in the beaver forest, cut trees down, have fires. Let's have a fire. Nearly every day of our life, let's have a fire. Let's get a fire going. Why? Because there's something about fire, isn't there? I is Isn't there something about fire? When you sit down, I know we have the, the log burner, and they're great, and you close the door, and everything's safe, and everything's nice, and everything's cozy. But I like in our, our wee room, we've got an open fire. And maybe it's not the safest, but see when you get it going, there's something about it that you can sit right up close to the fire and you find yourself being lost in the fire. Lovely. Isn't it? You, you see the glow. You see the movement. You feel the heat. There's something about it that stops you. When like you're out driving in your car and you see a lot of smoke, everyone goes, there must be a fire. Isn't that Right? Is, is that, does that happen in your car? You know what I mean? There was the Tullymore fire about three weeks ago. We were heading there uh, last Monday, was it? The the, the the Tullymore, and the fire was before it, and there's a bit of smoke, and Luke says, the fire's still burning. <laughs> I said, son, no, 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 that's just somebody in the backyard. It's a bank holiday, no council workers about. Get the fire going. <laughs> no, that's not what we we'll surely. But there's something about a fire, isn't there? Or something about a fire. you know there was something about the fire on the day of Pentecost that stopped the whole world? The whole world were mesmerized by the fire of the Holy Ghost as men and women and boys and girls and young people poured out onto the streets of Jerusalem full of the power of the Holy Ghost on fire for God set on fire by the power of the Holy Ghost. And Jerusalem stopped. They all looked. They traveled from all over the known world for that particular face, And they stopped. God had bypassed the great temple. That they were all focused upon the great religious system of the day. All the powers of darkness. A Roman Empire and found 120 people in an upper room. Ordinary people. But they'd feel the Lord. that let him down. they deserted him. But God had gathered them together. Breathed the Spirit upon them. Saved them by his grace. Washed them in his blood. And then they're gathered in an upper room. And suddenly after 10 days the Holy Ghost came. They all poured out into the streets. And the world watched. They were mesmerized. They were mesmerized. This is what fire does. Fire will get the attention of the world. How we need the fire, brothers and sisters? It's fire we want. It's fire we need. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost. What does fire do? It purifies. That's the first thing that's needed in the church. It needs to be purified. That's what the fire does. It purifies. It makes us holy. It makes us right. So the fire will purify the church. The fire will set us ablaze. As fire we need. But that's the promise. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with what? Fire. The church needs fire. We need an encounter with the Lord. We need to touch God. More importantly, we need Him to touch us. Friends, I wonder how many of us this morning are maybe a little bit like Moses. We're serving. We're doing what God's called us to do. We're engaged in that. And if you're not, you should be. I just encourage you, you should be. You should be engaged in serving the body of Christ. There's many areas you can serve in, many places you can serve in, but this is the body of Christ. And you're doing that, you're engaged in that. Can I tell you something? I'll not finish this, maybe finish it next week. But listen, the promise, the promise is drawn near. We're heading we're heading into a world that's so demonic, so possessed with the powers of wickedness, so deep in sin, all manners of sin, like and friends, sometimes I'll watch just the, the catch up the eye player on that top table, it's with Stephen Nolan. It's young people. I tell you what, it frightens the life out of me i tell you why it frightens the life out of me. Because see the generation, I think it's below me, I hope it's not two below me, but I think it's one below me. See the generation coming up 18, 19 years old? i tell you what, it frightens me. i tell you why it frightens me. If the Lord tarries and there's no revival in the next 30 years, those kids are going to be our leaders. And I want to tell you something, we are going to be living in a world that's so demon-possessed, so filled with wickedness, so deprived in sin, the depths, I tell you, we can't go any further, but every time we say that, we do. And that's the world that my kids are coming up in. And if God tarries, my, could be my grandkids. So if you're older and you're saying, well, that's not my generation, well, what about your kids? And what about your grandkids? What about praying? Well, I can't do anything, can't go on an outreach, but you can pray. What about pleading before the throne of grace? What about supporting those that go into the streets and the highways? What about being there? What about having a heart for a lost world? How we need to fire. Moses tells us, I just love it, and the Lord appeared. Don't you just love that? And the Lord appeared. Can you imagine you haven't even expected this. You didn't even think it was going to happen. You didn't come with any great plan. Thank God. It's better now. But you're here this morning and you're sitting. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Doing dead on, yes. Blah, blah, blah. Just, there's another service done. Nice word. Blah, blah. Thank you. Off. Dinner. Bang. See you later on. Half six. Bang. We're all back. Can you imagine that just suddenly God says, Now we stop all this. I'm just going to stop all this. It's not what we're doing is wrong, but we can so easily just get caught into doing it. Just doing it. But friends, how we need the power and the fire of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Imagine now, are sitting here this morning and suddenly God appears and the Holy Ghost descends and baptizes us With the fire of the Holy Ghost. Well, I wasn't expecting that. Sometimes He works suddenly. Sometimes He just works suddenly. Maybe we've got too bogged down in the theory and the theology. The theory and the theology and the tradition, even in Pentecost, that we've missed the reality of what it is again just to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Just a fire of God to come. An encounter with God. Friends, I tell you, I'll finish this next week. I will finish it. But we're heading towards the promise. We're heading towards the promise. He's going to fulfill it. He's going to pour out His Spirit. Lovely. There's going to be a harvest of souls. There is a revival on the way. We've prayed for it for years and we're going to keep praying for it. But listen, suddenly... Suddenly he comes. He just walks the aisles. It's just like, there's no wrestling. There's no, I'm trying, listen, we went to a meeting in 2002. I'll tell you this as a close. I know I'm rambling on a wee bit, but I was going to a meeting. Nicky will tell you. Many of you know this story, but it's good to remind. I was going to a meeting my mom and dad's church. Let me tell you something. I had got myself into an awful place. My sin. I was a Christian. I'd been to the mission field, that field. We came back and I was, I was involved in all the youth work and all mom doing it. We were involved doing all that type of thing and everything. But see in me, I'll tell you what I was. What I was. I was a carnal Christian. That's nobody's, that's no reflection on the church, no reflection on anybody else. That was because of my life. How we lived. That's how we lived. Isn't that right, Nikki? Both of us together. We lived a carnal Christian life. Yes, I was doing a wee bit of preaching. Yes, doing a wee bit. Of, but we were empty. I was empty. And I can remember driving to church that night. We just had Jack. Jack was only four or five years old. He's in the back going mad as usual, jumping up and down. We are driving to church, and I says, Nikki, if this is it, if this is it, I can't do it anymore. I can't do this. And she began to cry because where does that go? Do you understand what I mean? Where does all that go? I can't do this. I wasn't going to church, God forgive me, expecting anything. Actually, I was filled with cynicism because there was another American coming. That's not. If you're American this morning, praise the Lord, we love you. But it's not because... Listen, it was because just... We weren't expecting anything. I didn't go in filled with faith. I was in filled with cynicism. And I can remember we sat in that church. I'm lying there over a chair, jeans and t-shirt, and just like, oh, you know, what am I even doing here, you know, type of thing. I want to tell you something. God walked into that place, Lovely. not because I was something, but because I was nothing. And God walked into that place, and that man, Brother Clinton, and preached that night on the repentance of the church, and getting right with God, and getting on fire for God, and the need for revival. Can I tell you something? It was like if nobody else was there in that whole meeting, and I know there was many others spoke to that night in that meeting, it was like God opened my heart and spoke Amen. to me and there was nobody else there. It was like Moses and God himself. We repented of our sin as Christians and we fell before a holy God and said, God have mercy on us. God have mercy what he planted in us. That what he'd done in our lives through reviving us, that that's what God wants to do in the full body of Christ across this land. And friends, we haven't seen the fullness of that. And over these years, God's brought so many other people in in here with exactly the same DNA. Now, right, Brian and Carol come in at a time of discouragement, and we say, Lord, send two people in. Carol always reminds me a bit you regret praying that prayer. (laughs) And I don't regret a bit of it because I remember praying, Lord, when we're small as a number, there's only a a few of us. it was battles, and it still is battles, but they just change in different ways, and there's different types of battles. But it was small, and it was battling. I said, Lord, would you send in a couple of people to encourage us? remember praying that. Lord, just send a couple of people in to encourage us. Make sure you don't have any baggage. <laughs> it's all right, I mean, I prayed the whole thing. Like, I mean, I put the list out. It wasn't like I was saying, you know what I mean? Lord, no baggage, just the love of the Lord, and... There's no troubles or anything else. <laughs> Next Sunday morning, Brown walked in. And Carol. I'm going to tell you something. God hears her prayer. But the only amazing thing is, what God has put in many of us, God has put in them for revival. You see, this isn't created of man. Thank God. This is the Holy Ghost. Yep, and when God starts to bring people in and say, I have that same heart. I have that same desire. Who put that there? The Holy Ghost. So when the promise draws near, the battles are on, the struggles are real, the difficulties come, the darkness, the chains, and all that we have encountered and come against in these days, suddenly, God shows up. Lovely. God. And I believe we're very near, friends. We're very near. Who needs to meet with Him? Who wants to meet with Him? The Lord appeared as a flame of fire. We need the fire. Let's pray together this morning. Thank you, Jesus.